You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Thanks, Bex. So good to be back here again. Thank you, Pastor Bex, for inviting me. Uh, it's always an honor and a privilege to be here. I understand you guys had Pastor Tim Simons preaching last week. Gosh, I love Tim so much. Great mate of ours. Phenomenal communicator. Such a man of integrity. And I just want to say to all of those who have already come up to me and reminded me that I owe Tim $200, just want to say it's all good. Tim's a bit of a jokester. He enjoys a few of those practical jokes, and I don't owe Tim any money at all. So that's good for you to know. But look, honestly, I love Tim. And um, look, for, I, know, I know a lot of us here love Tim. And for some of us, we might be interested to know that Tim's birthday is coming up in a wee while. And I thought it would be a great opportunity just to give you a little heads up if you're one of those who's looking for the perfect gift for a man like that, I wanted to help you out because I love Tim and just want the best for him. Now, Tim is a scholar. I mean, he's such a scholar. He's a man of books. He's a man of learning. That's what he is. And so if you want to buy Tim a book, I thought I would suggest perhaps his favorite genre so you know what to go looking for if you want to buy him a gift. You know, some people love kind of leadership books. Some people enter theological commentaries. Some people enter historical fiction. Um, but for, you, for those of you wanting to buy something special for Tim, here's his favorite genre, coloring. <laughs> coloring books. That's what he loves the most. So just look, just tuck it away, tuck it away. Surprise him on his birthday. Oh, he'll love you for it. He'll love you for it. All right, we're going to get into it now. It's so good to be here. And um, I, want, I want to start with uh, just a brief story of something that happened just prior to Christmas. Liz and I were uh, at visiting Cafe, where we used to frequent many years ago. And on this particular, uh, this particular day, we happened to bump into the owner, which was so, so lovely. And uh, over many years, he'd been so kind to us and to our family, and he had... Uh, made jobs available at his cafe for our kids to work in when they were trying to raise money for school mission trips and those sorts of things. And it was just a great time to catch up with him. And we also saw his son, uh, who we'd known from, from many years back, and his son had been on a bit of a challenging journey, but it really got his life back on track and was now doing brilliantly, earning great money on a fantastic career track, uh, carrying great responsibility. Uh, it was just awesome to see them. And we chatted for maybe half an hour. Now, as the conversation wrapped up, um, the son was sharing with Liz some of his journey to where he was at now. And he mentioned in that, that part of the journey was that there had been a couple of honest conversations that I had had with him that had helped him in some way. And I don't remember the specifics of those conversations, but I just remember, as Liz shared that with me, just feeling so grateful, right, that I was able to lend a hand to somebody at some point that helped them get to where they are now. You know, it's a privilege, right, we don't often realize. When we get to lend a hand to somebody in their journey in some small way that helps them get to where they are now. Honestly, I believe that is half of the power of the church, that we get to be that for people in God's name as God's kingdom expands throughout this earth, bringing goodness and hope and life and change. You know, people's entire trajectories can be changed through something like that. Many years ago, I was uh, challenged personally by something the great healing evangelist Oral Roberts had written when he talked about 
holding the rope for people in their tough times. And I want to share some of that with you today. Because I know that every single one of us here in the last year, we have all at some point and in some way been a part of helping others. Helping others in challenging situations, in difficult times. And it is such a good and admirable and honorable thing to take a little bit of your time and effort, usually, right, when it's inconvenient, to step up and be there for somebody and make a difference. That is where I believe the church and for us as Christ followers are most powerful and most influential. It's where God gets to work through us. And I want to honor you and encourage you today. When you think back over the last year and those ones or twos or maybe many that you kind of just went out of your way to encourage or have hope for or, or open a door for in some way. You are awesome. But the challenge with this, right, is that sometimes, while it feels really worth it, there are also times when we get involved in people's lives, and if we're really honest, it does not feel worth it. It was hard. It didn't go the way we thought it would, and at the end of it, we're not really sure if we've actually made any difference at all. I want to say to you, it does. You know, this morning, Pastor Steve and I were communicating quite early. Uh, Steve had a CrossFit comp yesterday and injured himself uh, and is currently unable to walk, uh, which is not super great. Uh, But I have to say, I do love the fact that I've got a senior pastor who's blimmin' out there, pushing the boundaries I love that physically, spiritually, emotionally. I also love the fact that my senior pastor is calling me at 6 a.m. telling me he's praying for me. That's an awesome thing. But I asked Steve, I said, Steve, is there anything that I can pass on from you to the congregation this morning? And he said to me this, he said, I just want them to desire what God desires. I want them to lean into him this morning. And so can I ask you, This morning, can we together lean into God? Because I believe God wants to bring something very specific to each of us today as we come into this new year. So we're going to jump into the Word of God in Acts chapter 9, but first a little bit of context for where we're going. Now, a great persecution has broken out against the church. Violence has erupted. Anyone considered a Christian is now hiding. People who follow Christ have been searched for They're being beaten. Some of them are being killed. They're being torn away from families and jobs and communities. They're being put in prison. And a zealous young Pharisee by the name of Saul is leading the charge. So Saul's literally going from city to city trying to find these Christian communities. And he's on his way to Damascus to hunt down some more. But on his way, some of you all know the story, out of nowhere, clear sunny day, suddenly God turned up in power. He encountered him. It was like he was hit by lightning, and he fell off the vehicle he was, he was being transported on. And uh, some of you, if you're scholars of Greek, will know that the vehicle was a Triumph motorcycle. Now, a little bit of exegesis here. Now, the Bible says it was a donkey, right? It was a donkey. Now, if it was a Harley Davidson, it would have said he'd fallen off his mighty stallion. Am I right, Pastor Dean? Thank you very much. That, that's just for Dean. So anyway, so anyway, Paul fell off his donkey, heard the audible voice of Jesus speaking to him, was struck blind for three days before one of those people he was hunting down to kill 
took him in, laid his hands on him, and the power of God healed him. And so this guy called Saul took a new name, Paul, and he went straight into the synagogues and began to start teaching about Jesus, not against Jesus, and in doing so, proving from the Old Testament scriptures that indeed Jesus was the Messiah that they had been looking forward to. So the Jewish leaders were spitting about this. They were deeply concerned, they were incredibly angry, and they realized that he was doing so much damage to their cause that he had to be taken out. And so they made a plan to kill him, and they set men on the city gates, the only road in or out, watching for him so they could murder him. The hunter had become the hunted. But the disciples found out. We're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 9, verse 23. It said, After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Now, if we had been there that night, we might have seen three or four men creeping through the shadows, one leading the way, perhaps one carrying a huge bundle of rope and a big wicker basket, a third one there keeping watch to make sure they weren't seen or followed. And they found an isolated part of the wall where there was a window that went externally where nobody would notice if something was going on. Paul, no doubt, would have been led there from a different direction. And they would have been nervous. These guys had heard Paul speaking about Jesus, but they knew that it wasn't that long at all since Paul actually was hunting down Christians. There must have been a little bit of a niggle, wondering if actually this was all a setup. He now knew their faces. What if he turned back again? There would have been whispered instructions. The rope is tied to the basket, pushed through the opening. Paul precariously squeezes in, and they silently lower him down, trying not to let the basket scrape against the rough stone wall. After what I'm sure must have felt like forever, muscles straining, sweating in the hot night air, finally the basket touches ground, the weight goes out of it, as Paul climbs out, looks up briefly into the darkness and waves and then darts away into the night. These guys must have been freaking out. This guy, Paul, knew who they were and yet there was something about him and something inside of them that just says, we need to be here tonight. We need to do this. And the life of the great apostle Paul was saved. The man who would plant the church as we know it across Asia, the man who would write most of the New Testament, although they knew none of this at this point. So I want to talk for a moment about those men who held the rope for Paul that night. Firstly, we don't know their names. Not recorded in scripture at all who they were. These men whose identities weren't recorded turned up. They held the rope for this guy. You know, it's been said that there are two types of people in the world and in the church. Those that will do anything for others, anything for God, anything for the church, as long as somebody knows their name. As long as they get a little bit of glory for what they're doing. 
And then there are those who will do anything for others, anything for the Lord, anything for the church, and it doesn't matter at all if nobody knows who they are. They just want to be a part of what God is doing, making a difference. Just like these guys, when you hold the rope for somebody, God never forgets that. Men and women may not know that you were a part of that, but God always knows. Do you know that sometimes the names of history's greatest heroes are known only by God? The second thing about these men is that they didn't know who was on the end of their rope. I mean, you've got to remember, these guys held the rope at night, and when Paul was still nobody, he was just this crazy Pharisee who had turned around, and now people wanted to kill. Chances were that this guy wasn't going to last very long. They had no idea the plans that God had for this guy, Paul, and for the difference he would make not only in their generation, but in every generation sent to this day and looking forward. Yet something in them made them turn up and hold on to that rope till the job was done. They had been compelled to get up, maybe even out of bed, and to turn up, even though it was no doubt inconvenient. There was no doubt something that they did not want to get caught doing. It was dark and scary. And they took this guy, Paul's life, in their hands. But what a lesson for us. Can I say to you, if God gets you up out of bed at night and puts a rope in your hands, puts someone, someone's name on your heart, tells you you've got to text somebody or call somebody, look, sure as eggs, it's going to be inconvenient. Sure as eggs, it's going to be a little bit awkward stepping into that space. It's going to be hard to see what God is doing. It's not going to be easy, but you don't know who might be on the end of that rope. The third thing is that these guys didn't drop the rope, and that cost them something. I mean, there were guards everywhere. Every little sound must have set their hearts racing, but they didn't let go of the rope. I bet there were moments right when they wanted to, when they heard footsteps approaching and everything stopped and Paul's wondering what's going on. And then the footsteps come and they go past the door and they keep going and then slowly they keep dropping the rope down. I bet there were moments when they wanted to just ditch it, but they hung in there for this guy. As long as it took, here it is, for him to get his feet on the ground again. And sometimes that's 10 minutes. Sometimes holding the rope for somebody is just being there for 10 minutes. Sometimes that's all people need. Sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes it's much longer. But you see, when we're holding the rope for somebody, there are always moments when we want to drop it. There are always moments when we go, I just don't think this is worth it. There are always moments when we go, I wish I didn't get involved in this. There are always moments when we say, I don't think this is worth it. But like these three guys, we need to think about a few things before we drop the rope. The first thing we need to think about is, you know what, maybe we're almost there. Maybe if I can just hang on a little bit longer, maybe we're closer to the breakthrough than it feels. Second thing we need to think about is, you know what, maybe there's only a couple of you right now on the rope. Maybe it's not just something that anyone else can or will pick up. Maybe God put his hand on you because you're the right person in the right moment. 
You don't let go of that rope easily. And thirdly, you don't know what extraordinary thing God might have put in that person on the end of that rope, no matter how they might look to you in that moment. That child, that son or daughter, that friend, that loved one, that stranger, maybe that you're praying for or turning up for or keeping in contact with. You know, a a young woman once met this young guy. He didn't have too many prospects. He was working in a service station. He was a failing musician. And yet this young woman said, God, I think there's something that you want me to do here. And she said, if you want me to talk to this young guy about you, he's on night shift tonight. If you wake me up in the night, I'll get up and call him and talk to him about you and I'll do what I can. She woke up at 2 a.m. and said, okay, God, I'll call him. She took hold of the rope for that young man. They talked and debated for over an hour. Finally, he hung up, pulled out a chair and sat down in the very same gas station and handed his life over to Jesus. She could have rolled over and gone to sleep. She had no idea who was on the end of that rope, but she decided to hold on that night. That young guy with no prospects who got saved, he went on to become a pastor, had the privilege of seeing many people saved over many, many years, saw people delivered from demons in Jesus' name, counseled many people to break through in Jesus' name, went on to lead multiple churches and indeed to lead the movement of churches he was in. He preached and taught leaders in many different nations. That young man was me. And I haven't seen that young woman in many years, but how grateful am I that that night she held the rope for me when I needed it most. You know, we're a church of many nations here. And many of us know how difficult it is to come from a new country, a new culture, a new language, a new system, a new set of rules, a new neighborhood, a new church. Some of you, that has been your experience. Many of you, that has been your experience. And you feel so vulnerable and it is exhausting and difficult. And everyone that I've spoken to has got stories of people who turned up and held the rope for them at critical times in the journey that just made all the difference. People who welcomed them when they felt isolated, helped them find a job or a doctor or a place to live or helped them shift again. At the end of last year, we we have a wonderful young Indian couple in city campus and uh, they had a few people over for a belated housewarming. And uh, the wife, Shekinah, she got up and and she shared the story with this group of friends of the early days when they first immigrated here. And she honored a few people in the room who had held the rope for them when it was tough. Of the person who went out of their way to make them feel so welcome that, man, they decided to make City Church their church home and had never regretted it. Of the person sitting there who had dropped everything when it came time to inspect their first rental and they had no idea what they were looking for. Of the person who turned up when they shifted and just took the rubbish away when they didn't know how to take the rubbish away in this country and how they wouldn't be here today without them. And sitting there listening to those stories and looking around the room, I was struck by the thought 
that many of these people who had helped out this young family were immigrants themselves. They had immigrated here from difficult situations, and yet here they were now giving of themselves to make the lives of others better, holding the rope for others as someone had held the rope for them. I I was deeply moved and totally inspired. I was reminded of that scripture in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And let's hold to it unswervingly for us and for others. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you say, see the day approaching. May we all be like that. May we all this coming year be willing once again to turn up and keep turning up and hold the rope for others when God puts a rope in our hands. Amen. I'll get the team to come up now as we come to a close. And and there's something here I do need to make clear today. It's that sometimes it's not our time to hold the rope for someone else. Sometimes we are too tired, too depleted, too hurt, too disempowered to be on the end of a rope for somebody else. You know, sometimes it's the right thing, like it was for Paul, to actually just sit back and allow and trust others to hold the rope for us in our difficult season until we get our feet back on the ground again. It's not only okay, but sometimes it's necessary. You know, much later, Paul would hold the rope for many others, including a young man called Timothy, when he was losing hope, losing respect, losing his ministry. But even the great apostle Paul, at some point, had to stop and let someone else hold the rope for them. If that's you this morning, look, and I know that there's some people here like this. If that's you, let go of the guilt. Let go of the shame. Let somebody hold the rope for you. I know it feels like forever, but it is just a season, and you will get back on your feet again. And there is no doubt that in the future you'll be on the end of the rope for someone else. And so for all of us, when you hold the rope for someone, when you keep believing in someone, when you reach out a helping hand for someone, when you keep communicating with someone, when you intercede and stand in the gap and prayer for someone, know this. Firstly, that God knows your name. Secondly, know this, that someone precious is on the end of that rope and only history will tell us how incredible that thing is that you are a part of. And then thirdly, your job is to hold on for them until they find their feet again, whether that's 10 minutes or an hour or longer, but they will get through this tough moment. This year, whether or not anybody knows your name, whether or not anybody knows what you do for the Lord, can I say to you this morning, God has called you to do something significant this year. And there is nothing more significant that you you, you will possibly do than hold the rope for somebody. 
when they need somebody. Amen? Who knows what good, what breakthrough, what salvation will happen because like those men that dark night in Damascus, you turned up and you held the rope for somebody in their tough time. Come on, let's pray. Mighty God, I thank you, Lord, for your word to us this morning. God, I thank you for these unnamed few who turned up and held the rope for Paul. How grateful are we for those men, whoever they were. But God, even more, I'm grateful for every man and every woman in this place that holds the rope for somebody. And I pray, God, this year for every one of us, Holy Ghost, you'll give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear when that moment is upon us. God, when you're asking us just to step in the gap, when you're asking us to turn up or keep turning up, when you're asking us, God, to get out of bed and pray, when you're asking us to call somebody or text somebody, when you're asking us to take somebody out for coffee, when you're asking us to forgive again and go again, when you're asking us to be that one for somebody, God, let us hear it. And God, give us the faith to step up again not caring whether or not anybody knows, but God, knowing that there's some treasure on the end of that rope and you've called us to hold it and that's what we're going to do. God, I pray for great breakthroughs this year. I pray for the joy of being a part of great changes this year in people's lives. God, I thank you, God, that you've called us to be a part of this kingdom that is advancing through the unbelievable power of your word and good things, God, that we can do and be a part of in people's lives. God, we pray this year is a year, God, like none other. God, when your church goes forward in this city and lives are changed, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. And before we wrap up this morning, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ personally, you've never actually taken that step of putting your trust and faith in him, I want to say to you that maybe this morning is your morning just like it was for me in that gas station all those years ago. The Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loves the world. It doesn't say God loves the church. God loves the world and all of its mess and brokenness and he loves you and all your mess and brokenness and he wants you to know him. The Bible also says in Romans chapter 3 that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory or God's standard. All of us, me and you. That's why Jesus came, the way, the truth, and the life. Died on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago so that our sin and mess might be paid for and that through faith and trusting in Him, we could be given a new start. That's what forgiveness is. Given a new start in life. And that we might know Him and experience His love. Bible says in John chapter 1 that to all of those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You don't earn this. This is not a 21-day program. This is a decision to put your trust wholly in him. And that is all he is looking for. If that's you today, if it's time for you to get right with God, whether this is your first time or whether actually you've known God at some point in the past and you drifted, but you know today you're not not right with God. If that's you, let me lead you in a very simple conversation with God right now. Come on, let's close our eyes and bow our heads together. That's you, I want you to pray this just in your heart where you're sitting between you and God. Something like this, here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. And I admit that I am a sinner. And I've fallen short of your standard for my life. 
But Jesus, I choose to believe today that you came and died on that cross for me too. And I thank you, Father, that you forgive me of my sins because of what Jesus did in my place. And so, Jesus, today I receive you into my heart and in my life as my God and my boss and my Lord and my Savior and my friend. Make me new. Make me yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I commit myself from this day forward to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.